Welcome back to another edition of No Block Sports. I'm your host, Jason Green. Episode 73, and just like every other episode, all 72 of them, which you can check on Spotify or Apple Music or Anchor. By the way, just look up No Block Sports. We have so much to get into today. Listen, if you watched episode 72, you kind of have a feel of what's coming. Um, it is NBA playoffs, first round projections. That's it. I'm going to the Eastern Conference. I'm going to the Western Conference. Every game, eight games, I'm going to break down. This won't be the longest podcast in the world. I'm imagining around 20 minutes, two minutes for each game, what I like, and a simple breakdown of why I like them, right? So let's honestly just get right into it with the Eastern Conference, and we're going to go We're gonna go one seed down to the four seed. So one, eight, two, seven, three, six, and so on, right, if you understand from that. So my first matchup is the one seed Miami Heat versus the eight seed Cleveland Cavaliers or the Atlanta Hawks. Um. To me, it doesn't matter, right? I think the one seed is going to win the East or the West no matter what. So that's why I don't really care, and I'm not waiting to release this um, until those games are over. But here's the point. A lot of people think the Miami Heat are frauds. The Miami Heat were a top-five defensive team, top-five rebounding team, um, number one in bench points. So they're deep, and they play defense, and they're experienced. Head coach Eric Spolcher has been the multiple NBA Finals. This group collectively was in the NBA Finals, albeit the bubble, which I don't care if you're arguing I was legit or not. I understand they got swept last year by the, the by the champions, right, Milwaukee Bucks, and Jimmy Butler scored less points than Bryn Forbes. And that, that happens. I don't see that happening here. They're deep, they're very good on the rebounding, and their versatility is unbelievable. They're, they are a playoff team if I've ever seen them. The Cavs, I hope it's the Cavs in the series. I think the Cavs will actually give them a better run for money. Here's why. They match up in size well. The Heat are going to go P.J. Tucker and buy him out of buyer. The versatility in the, in the Cavs can contradict that with three bigs, Market and Evan Mobley and Aaron. I think it would be very close for tough for teams that their two best scorers, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, who like to score in the paint, right, to really get a lot of buckets. I think the Cavs could give the Heat some troubles. The Hawks, on the other end, have the best player in Trey Young out of the two, the Hawks and the Cavs, but they don't play defense like the Cavs do. And I think Darius Garland is more than capable of putting up Trey Young-type numbers in the playoffs, and they have offensive scoring and cares the vert. This is not the same Hawks team that made the Eastern Conference Finals last year. It's just not. They're not as good defensively. They're not in sync as much. The role players aren't playing as well. Um, Onyeko Nkanku hasn't taken the next step. Kevin Herter hasn't really taken the next step. You would think, like, Cam Reddish, who they'd let go, take the next step. That's why they traded him. They don't play Kevin Knox. I, I just don't think this team is as good. And John Collins, who's going to be out for the playing game, I don't think is going to be ready for the next for any game in this first series round as well. To me, whoever they play, I think Trey Young can get you a game in that Atlanta crowd. And I think the Cavs and Darius Garland and their shooting Kevin Love can get you a game in that rock in uh, Cleveland Arena. So either way for me, I have the Heat winning in five. All right, the next series is probably the best series in the whole slate, and that's the number two Boston Celtics versus number two Brooklyn Nets. Um, the Celtics are currently favored in this series, and there's a reason for that. I think everybody is screaming, take the Brooklyn Nets, and I am not going to go with that, and here's why. One, the Nets are simply not a very good home team, right? They actually play better on the road, which is actually a very good thing in the playoffs, but if you can't win your home games, the Celtics are a great team both ways, home and away. If the Celtics are taking 1-1, one -one, they're very confident they can take 2-0. I'm not very confident the Nets can win every single game in Brooklyn. I'm pretty confident the Celtics have the better chance of winning every single game in Boston. 
The Nets have the perimeter defending to match Brooklyn. The Brooklyn Nets now have the perimeter defending to match Boston. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart are elite defenders. Elite defenders. I have no problem taking their chances, putting on Kyrie Irving and um, and Kevin Durant. On the other hand, you're not going to put Kyrie Irving on Jalen Brown. You're not going to put Kyrie Irving on... You're not, Durant, you can put on Tatum, right? But that's really hindering his offensive end as well. The reports are that Ben Simmons is coming back for game four at the earliest. To me, if you're already down 2-1, if you were down 3-0, I'd say do it. No reason not to. I don't think they're going to be down 3-1. You're down 2-1 in a pivotal game four to bring someone in their first game back with the last time the playoffs was the reason they're in this entire mess because they did not perform to their capabilities. I just think it's not the right move for the Nets. To me, you either bring them back in game one or game two or you don't bring them back to the next series. That's the truth. But the Celtics, to me, are playing the best basketball in the NBA. And to me, to think that they're just going to get bounced in the first round by the Nets, who even when they traded Harden, they're still not playing great basketball. They're relying so ISO heavy on Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and get hot. Patty Mills has cooled off. Blake Griffin's not playing as well as he used to. Um, Claxton's not having the same injury. You're not going to really rely on Bruce Brown to be your third option. They still really miss Joe Harris. And I just don't think they have enough perimeter shooting to give enough space for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in a series that has two elite scores or well and such a good bench production. Now, you're going to say, Jason, they're missing Robert Williams, and that's going to be huge. Well, I don't think they're that concerned with rim protection, right? They're going to... Create Island with the perimeter defending on Kyrie and KD. They're going to be fine with Kyrie and KD scoring 30 points. People don't understand that it's the other guys that can't get hot. And I think the other guys are just going to struggle. And I think the other guys for the Celtics have more continuity, a better coach, and right now just a better fit and feel for what they have. Al Horford's been there before, and I trust Al Horford to be a better third option than Bruce Brown. I think Daniel Tice, who's been in the Celtics system, to be better at coming off the bench than Nicholas Claxton. Right? Give me the Celtics in seven in the series all right <clears throat> the next series is the milwaukee bucks for the chicago bulls the bulls are top five in the nba in points allowed in the paint they're number 23rd in defensive efficiency i believe they're number two at baskets attempted at the rim this is not a good formula to face Giannis onto the kumpo and honestly i can keep this even more simpler that the bulls might be the biggest frauds of the 21st century um they're 0 and 19 against top three teams in each conference combined, that's the top three teams in each conference in the Western and East. So that's the um, Celtics, um, the Heat, and the Bucks, and the Warriors, um, Grizzlies, and Suns. And I think they're even 0-4 against Sixers that might be put into that 0-19. But basically, they're 0-4 against the Bucks as well. They didn't win a single game. And I, I listen, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Vucevic are excellent on the offensive end. Hence why they have a top 10 offensive efficiency. And if they can get to a close game, I could trust DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine closing you one out. They just can't play defense. They're 23rd in defense efficiency. That's the next step for them, which is odd because it was the opposite the last couple years. They were actually really good defensively. They couldn't get over the hump offensively. It's like they switched, switched lanes. The defending champs know how to win. They have the best Big three of 3 and D of two-way players in the NBA. No better group of three than Drew Holiday, Chris Melton, Giannis Antetokounmpo. All, two of them, first-team defense, one defense player of the year. And you give Drew Holiday a defense player of the year contingency every single year. He's that good. And Chris Melton, who actually has never made all defensive team. I think he's made third-team one time, is an elite two-way player. I just, 
I feel very comfortable with the Brook Lopez Vucevic matchup. You're going to draw Vucevic away from the paint with Brook Lopez. Same with Body Porsche Shoes 3. is going to leave the paint wide open for Giannis and Drew, Chris Middleton to attack. I think this could be a sweep, but you got to think that the playoffs, the atmosphere, the Chicago crowd who hasn't been in the playoffs since I wrote it 2017 is really going to get up for a game three or a game four. I hate calling sweeps. I just think these teams are in the playoffs for a reason. Even though I don't have a single sweep, but I think one's going to happen. If any series is going to be a sweep, it's going to be this one. But I got the Bucks in five in this series. All right, last um, series in the Eastern Conference is a tight one. If you would have told me when James Harden got traded to the Sixers that this would be only a minus 180 for the Sixers to win the series, I would have thought you were crazy. I thought this would be in the minus 250 range. But... The Sixers are not are actually worse at home this year. They're better on the road this year. And I know I said this about the Nets, but statistically, and I am a Sixers fan, they have been much better at home. It's not been the same way for the Brooklyn Nets. Statistically, the Philadelphia 76ers are an excellent home team in the last 10 years. I think they're one of the best, or sorry, not over the last five years. One of the best in the NBA. And the difference to me in this series, and why I don't think it's going to be as close as people think, is that they have the two best players on the floor at all times. And James Harden, Joel Embiid. If one of them is off, they have the best player on the floor in one of them. And that's just the truth. Do I think Fred Van Fleet and Pascal Siakam can win you a game or two? Yes, I do. Do I think their defensive versatility and they have the better head coach in Nick Nurse will really help them to confuse Embiid? Because remember, Nick Nurse shut out Embiid. Only player to only coach to do that. They have had him struggles. And if you look back to 2019 playoffs, they really struggled putting Marcus on them. They don't have that same big in this series. Kem Birch is not the same big body big. They don't even have a backup like Mbaka. They have Birch and they have Boucher. They really went more versatility and skinnier in athleticism, which really goes to Embiid's advantage because he is so good in breaking you down, playing the pace of play, and drawing fouls. Do the Raptors have the depth to match that? Yes. They're fine playing Boucher 20-plus minutes. They're fine playing Birch 20-plus minutes. <coughs> I think they're fine playing Siakam at the 5, Scotty Barnes at the 5, and going small with 20-plus minutes. I think they have no issue doing that and going huge. I just think the biggest difference is that they have the two best players on the floor. They're going to double and beat every possession, and the Sixers, what we'll have to do is hit catch-and-shoot threes. Since Harden has been on the team, Tobias Harris shooting around 38%, Maxi shooting around 50% from three, even Thibault shooting around 45% for three. And Danny Green is shooting around 40% for three. They're going to make you pay. Can the Sixers play defensively at the same level they're playing offensively? When James Harden and Joel Embiid are on the floor, they have a net rating of plus 16, a plus 121 on the offensive end, a plus 105 on the defensive end. That's very good for both numbers, but can they bring that to the postseason? Is it going to be who's going to be the closer? I think it should be James Harden, right? A lot of my friends, and the, I think more of the Sixers fan, think it should be Joel Embiid. It's his team. I think you brought James Harden on this team for re- one reason and one reason only. And that is to get buckets when you need him. And that is to make the right play when you need him that Ben Simmons couldn't do. Right? Ben Simmons could give you 15, 8, and 8. Maybe not in the playoffs, but in his peak. He would put up kind of numbers. I saw him in the playoffs against the Wizards, put up 20, 14, and 8. And that's the kind of games I'm seeing from Harden right now. He doesn't have to average 30 against the Raptors. But he's got to start getting in that rhythm offensively. Shooting under 40% in, I believe, 10 of the games that he's played in, that's not going to cut it, especially in a series like this. We all know this happens to Steph Curry. This happens to Harden. This happens to Embiid every single year. The fouls get called less and less in the playoffs. Things get tighter, right? 
physicality gets a little more amped up. And that's why we love the playoffs. I mean, the refs actually let him play a little bit more. So it's not going to be as much foul shots for Embiid and Harden, right? And I think Sixers fans like myself are going to be complaining, but that's just how the playoffs go. All in all, Sixers are a much better road team this year than they have been in years past. I think that's going to be the difference. I understand Matisse Thybul can't play in um, games three or four. I think the Sixers honestly should be up 2-0 by them. And I have the Sixers in six, but now I'm starting to lean the more Sixers in five. But the Raptors are also a really good home and away team. It would not shock me if this series is 2-2 and the Sixers take a pivotal game five and win in the Raptors in game six. I'm going to go with the 76ers in six. So just to go over it real quick, I got the Heat in five over the Cavs and the Hawks. Doesn't matter which one. I have the Celtics in seven. I have the Bucks in five, maybe four. And I have the 76ers in six. And that is my Eastern Conference predictions. All right, let's get into the Western Conference. Um, I think the East is a little bit tighter this year, except for, obviously, I think the Bucks will beat the Bulls pretty handily. But I think um, when I say a series in five, people often think, like, that's a gentleman's sweep. That wasn't close. And that's not true. I think the Cavs can give the Heat some trouble. I just think the Heat will close them out due to their experience and versatility and their depth, right? And just really they're more on experience. I think the Raptors will give the Sixers in trouble, even though I think the Sixers could win in five. Just because the team wins in five doesn't mean it doesn't, you know, take the heart and soul, right, and really push you. just want to get that out of the way real quick, and I hear that a lot on Twitter and takes like, they won in five. doesn't mean the series wasn't close. It means the team was clearly better, but the series was close. But another series that will lose in five, or sorry, will end in five, is the Phoenix Suns versus whoever they play, the Los Angeles Clippers or the Pelicans. The Pelicans, I think they win in four. I'm going to bank on they play the Clippers. This is a rematch of last year's rough Western Conference Finals, and the Clippers are actually a little bit deeper this year. But to me, the Phoenix Suns are a better basketball team than last year. And maybe this numbers don't prove that 100%. They won about similar amount of games. See, I think they won a little bit more amount of games. But the truth is, experience. Mikael Bridges is taking the next step. Cameron Johnson is taking the next step. Devin Booker is going to be first team on me. Probably he's taking the next step. Chris Paul is still... You know, the point guy, making sure it's all together. Monty Williams winning coach of the year. DeAndre Ains taking the next step. They're a little deeper with Shamit and Cameron Payne. You know, these guys have confidence. These guys are cocky. Jay Crowder. These guys are legit eight deep. Legit eight deep. I could see Cameron Johnson starting for teams. Um, And I so I see the thing. If six, I think Landry Shamit could start for a bunch of teams. And by the way, he plays catch and shoot threes. I just think they're legit eight deep. Um, even campaign, I can see starting on a lot of teams in the NBA, and I, I truly mean that. Not to be a consistent starter, but he can start you 40 games a year and put up a lot of good numbers, and he put up great numbers when he was a starter when Chris Paul was out. Uh, Paul George is great. They're even deeper this year with Norman Powell and Covington, a little bit more 3 and D, which they're going to need to match. The Phoenix Suns 3 and D, and Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder. But the truth is, they don't have Chris Paul, they don't have Devin Booker. They don't have the consistency that they can hit in the mid-range game to close out the game. And as much as Paul George was great in last year's playoffs, I see a little reverting back. And I just don't think Reggie Jackson can be on that level again. They pushed him to six, winning a big game five in Phoenix. I think it's a similar thing. They get a game five in Phoenix, and they win. I just think it's the Suns in five this time. That's how it's going to be. All right. My next series is probably the series I'm most excited for that nobody's talking about. The Memphis Grizzlies versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. Talk about two young teams. Timberwolves haven't been in the playoffs since Jimmy Butler let them. I believe that was 2018. So it's been around four years. 
Grizzlies haven't won a playoff series since 2015, right? This 2014-2015, this is a lot of history. I don't know the last time the Minnesota Timberwolves won a playoff series. I actually want to say it's like 2003, 2004. I should have done that research. It's been a long time coming for these two small market franchises. And the the youth in this, the youth, the young talent, I don't know why I'm stumbling on this, is absurd. Timberwolves have Carl Towns, Anthony Edwards, Angela Russell, Malik Beasley, Jane McDaniels. I mean, Josh Okoge. I mean, these guys are tough. Uh, you know, they want to win. You know, they have hard-nosed guys in Pat Beverly, Nas Reed. I mean, these guys are young. Chris Finch has done in a phenomenal job. But people don't forget, I had the Timberwolves not making the playoffs, but being much better than people thought I had them winning over their win total. The Grizzlies, no one thought would be the two seed. They lead the NBA in seven different categories. That's absurd. They have the third most ever 25-plus point wins in NBA history behind the 2016-2017 Spurs and the KD Warriors in the first year. They are dominating teams. And the young talent, I mean, we're going to talk about John Moran, who's going to make second-team All-NBA. Desmond Bain, who's a top contender for most improved player. Jaron Jackson, who's defensive player of the year candidate, in my opinion, top five. And Dylan Brooks, who's an excellent two-way player. I mean, this team is just deep. Not to mention Zaire Williams, Xavier Tillman, D'Anthony Mellon. This team is young. It's gritty. It gets out there in the addition of Sam Allen's for a little bit of paint presence slash playoff experience. Listen, this team had so much some playoff experience last year, losing to Utah in five. I, I actually think if they would have played the Clippers, the Clippers would have shot at winning. I just think the Memphis Grizzlies are just a much better basketball team than Minnesota Timberwolves. And I think everyone's getting behind this whole youth that, yes, they probably the best two players in Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. But what I mean by that, John Morant's the best player. But then at 2-3 is Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. But I think they can go 3-4-5 is all the Grizzlies. right? And then D'Lo. Like, I take Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, and Dylan Brooks, honestly, all over D'Lo. And I mean that 100%. People think I'm crazy. Just two-way players. They're going to go D'Angelo Russell in this series every single time defensively. If I'm Taylor Jenkins, that's my game plan. It's John Morant. It's spreading D'Lo out. It's making him defend. If you make him defend, obviously he won't be goes offensively. These two are the top two teams in points per game. Minnesota 115.9 points a game. Memphis is 115.6. Very close. The difference is obviously the Grizzlies lead the NBA in rebounds, lead the NBA in blocks. They're much better um, defensive. I said leave in seven different categories. They are an elite team. They, there is a reason they won 50. I think it's 57 games. I don't care how young they are. There is a reason they won this many games. Okay? I think, I think once again, this is one of those series that I think won't be that close. It's a gentleman sweep in five, just like the Suns. This one's not the ones that are easy. I don't think the Timberwolves push them. I think the Timberwolves can get one game in game four or three. A young Grizzlies team, not ready to close out, not prepared for a game four atmosphere or something like that. So I got the Grizzlies in five. All right, another series that I think won't be that close is the Golden State Warriors versus the Denver Nuggets. I, I hate to break it down like this, but the Denver Nuggets have gotten away with missing a lot in Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, who won't be there. They're just not as deep, and I understand that the bench has been playing really well, and shout-out to Bones Highland, who should be in you know the top five in Rookie of the Year. He has been unbelievable this year. But having Will Barton and him as your second and third option does not put a playoff series where you have to face Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry is coming back, um, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, they just have much better scoring options. And I think they're very comfortable. The one thing that they're not is big, 
right? And they're going to say, oh, Jokic is going to dominate. It's the same thing. They'll let Jokic dominate. No one else can go off. They'll just hinder Jokic's assist numbers. And let Jokic drop 40 every game and play the game up to 100. And say, the other rest of you have to score 60. I don't know if the Nuggets can do that. Plus, I think the Warriors are very comfortable with putting Draymond at the 5. And I think you'll see this in the series a lot. And playing... Jokic 1v1, and they're going to say, you missed, Draymond Green, we're going to push the pace, make Jokic run up and down, make the Nuggets run up and down, because I got Poole can average 20 points a series, Clay Thompson can average 20 points a series, Steph Curry can obviously average 20 points in a series, Wiggins can average 20 points in a series. The Warriors are getting healthy at the right time. I actually could see them losing a game in Golden State, and then them just taking charge from there. The one thing is, here, ready? They're either going to lose game two or three. The Warriors are notoriously known for losing game threes in the Steve Kerr era. Watch out for that for the line. Um, I'll give you a little tidbit. I would take the Nuggets in that game. And hence, that's the, the only game I think they get. I think the Warriors win in five in a gentleman's sweep. Another series to me that won't be that close. I think the Western Conference is not going to be that close. And I'm going to continue that with the next series in the Dallas 4 seed Dallas Mavericks versus the number five seed Utah Jazz. In a meaningless game, Luka Doncic got hurt. He's a left capture, and he's already out for game one in Dallas, right? It is so hard to win in Utah. It, it is. You saw it in the Clippers series. The Jazz won the first two games. You saw the Grizzlies series. Yes, they took game one, but they dominated the other two games. You can get away with game ones, but they dominate game two, and they dominate game five, winning by 25-plus in each of those games. I just don't see if the Mavericks can't somehow pull out game one and Luka isn't healthy. I, think I honestly think... I did this article and I have Jazz in six. I think I'm going to change my mind and put the. I think this might be a sweep if Doncic can't play. I'm going to give. And actually, statistically, the Mavericks have been worse at home in the playoffs. We all remember they've been so good on the road. And if. But I just don't think Luka's healthy. It's so hard to beat the Jazz. It's easy to beat a Clippers team that just wasn't ready. Right. And what I mean by wasn't ready is like they had so much pressure on them, right? And Luca there had faced them before and the familiarity was there. I'm gonna say something. Jason Kidd has done an excellent job with this team, and I didn't think he's been a good I still don't think he's a great coach. Saw a statistic points per out of bounds play, out of timeouts. Jason Kidd's number one in one point one three points per timeout out of bounds play. Doc Rivers is two one point oh nine. This is why I'm not really trusting that statistic. But to me, I think this series is over. I have it in six. I have the Jazz in six. I think Luka comes back. They maybe take a game two, maybe get to 3-1, take the game five, and then the Jazz close it out in their home building. But if Luka isn't healthy, I'm going to bang on Luka coming back. If Luka isn't healthy, this could be a sweep. This could be the one series that could be a sweep, this in the Bucks series. So to go over all my Western Conference predictions, once again, I just don't see it being that close. Suns in five if they play... Um, the Clippers, Suns in four, they play the Pelicans. I got the Grizzlies in five over the Timberwolves, Golden State Warriors in five over the Nuggets, and the Utah Jazz in six over the Dallas Mavericks. And that is my Western Conference predictions. All right, that's going to do it for episode 73 of No Block Sports. Once again, you can always follow us on Twitter at No Block Sports One. Like, comment, subscribe on our, you know, on anything that we do. I mean, Apple Podcasts, my post, I'm going to put this on LinkedIn. You want to follow me on LinkedIn, Jason Green. Follow my personal Twitter, at J underscore Green 4599. I mean, just, you know, whenever I post a take, you know, debate me. I love I'm going to put out my predictions also tomorrow. Um, I just think that this is how it's going to go. And I wish it went a little better in the Western Conference. But those are my predictions. And when I post this tomorrow, debate me, right? 
But until next time, like, comment, subscribe. Thank you so much. Can't wait for the next episode. NFL draft season, here we come. I can't wait. First round mock coming next. Let's go.